Welcome to the latest edition to hear that podcast. Ground Pauly Jr. of the Athletic here with you. It's presented by Visa or Network Working for you. It's just me. It threw me off right off the top because I'm used to introducing Jay Morrison, but Jay is of course busy like listening to Seether and Breaking Benjamin and Five Finger Death Punch and every other hard metal band you could imagine somewhere around Florida. It's Jay's just do it. Jay's just living his best life right now. God bless him. Uh, so he is not here with us this week on his vacation. Uh, but I am here. We had the first kind of the public debut of the 2022 Bengals with the first kind of phase two OTA that had the entire team back together on the football field with us able to watch practice. Joe Burrow at the podium, open locker room. Thank you. Bengals. Afterwards, with a chance to catch up with people, people we haven't talked to since before the Super Bowl. Uh, and so there was a lot to kind of uh, unpack there. So for that, I wanted to bring in an old friend, a good friend, uh, Richard Skinner of Local 12, the Skinny Podcast, uh, which he does with Rick Boring, which is fantastic. One of my favorite listens uh, during the week. And Skinny and I, of course, we, we actually work together specifically on the beat together uh, my my first full year back in 2014, and uh, of course we've been great friends ever since, and working alongside of each other, and and so uh, it's good to reunite with Skinny on the podcast. We'll get to that with him to react to all things kind of going on with the Bengals, including Ring of Honor. Talk a lot about Jesse Bates. Uh, we're going to talk about things that Burrow said, um, where this team is at right now going forward, and of course if I have Skinny on, I got to do some gambling hot takes, right? We got we got to get in some gambling thoughts, and I and I. I kind of want to press him on his general frustration he he has with Bitcoin because I find it funny. Uh, we'll get to that first. What I want to bring you um, is a little bit of Joe Burrow. And um, Burrow talked at the podium for about 15 minutes um, on Tuesday. And so just a chance to talk to him. I asked him about the crackers because I'm here for Big J journalism. People wondering. What kind of crackers they were, uh, but it was kind of in a in trying to so- soften it up a little bit uh, for actually what I thought was a really important answer. But there's a lot of other stuff in there too. In, in Burrow talking about the final play of the Super Bowl, his approach to the off season, how he watched the Super Bowl afterwards, and uh, his knee brace, a number of other things. But I, I want to give you a bunch of Joe Burrow here, uh, some of the highlights from his 15 minute session with reporters, and after that, we'll come back. And I'll be joined by Richard Skinner of Local 12. So here is Joe Burrow on the podium Tuesday. We haven't gotten a chance to talk to you about the new offensive linemen. You have apparently played a pretty big role in them all landing here. Can you just tell us how excited you are about the additions you guys made up front? Yeah, the I mean, they've been great so far. Really taking ownership of what they need to do to, to understand the offense coming out here and giving everything they have during you know the little OTAs that were or whatever you want to call them individual periods that we're having and you know they've been great in the weight room great in the locker room they've been exactly what we've what we've wanted. Elsie mentioned that uh, during his trip in he had, you had him over the house and cupcakes and crackers were serving. <laughs> there was some speculation on what exactly what exactly did that entail. 
you know, we just had some snacks. So it was uh, just some snacks. <laughs> what kind of crackers were they? I guess I don't remember. You know, that was a while ago, but we definitely made sure that they had some snacks to eat. What was that like for you having them? I mean, that being a part of that and uh, kind of recruitment is the right word, but having them over, what did that mean for you to be able to be a part of that? Yeah, that's something that, you know, I want to do every year, make sure that the guys that we're looking to bring in feel at home in Cincinnati and with the team because that's the culture that we're building in the locker room we you know we're really really close as a team coaching staff players strength staff trainers and so I just want to kind of portray that to the guys that are thinking about coming here and that we want to sign one of the cliches in football in the NFL is each time of this year you're starting from scratch even if you went to a Super Bowl last year you're starting at ground zero do you feel that way as a quarterback you know, record, I mean, going into the season, everyone's starting from scratch, but we've also worked really hard to build this culture that we've we've built the last couple of years that has enabled us to have the success that we did last year. And so, I mean, technically, yes, but, you know, as far as the the, the, the grinding and the, the work that we put in to build the culture, you know, we're looking to carry, them, carry that momentum from last year into this year. How would you describe the foundation you personally have built as a leader? You know, it's not just me. It's you know all the leaders of the team, the coaching staff, Zach. You know, I think what I try to do as a leader is listen really hard to what Zach has to say to the team, and you know, then take my spin of it and try to. I think that's the quarterback's job is to portray the message that the head coach is is bringing down and, and trickle it amongst amongst the locker room. It's a very different off season this year. How do you feel? All the bumps and bruises healed. Are you hundred percent? Yeah, I mean, I feel great. Obviously, this is my first off season in the NFL, so I've you know been able to, to take advantage of the of that with as far as my body and my throwing and my mind and all that. It's been you know. Obviously, I've been grinding, but it's also been relaxing, not have to worry about, am I going to be ready for the season? I can just focus on getting my body right, making sure I'm healthy, and then relaxing. Last thought was asking, it was rehab, and it was the deep ball. What's your main thing you're focused on improving this Really, it's just my entire game at this point. You know, I'm tweaking little things here and there, and you know, at this point, I'm not going to have a big overhaul of anything that I'm doing. I'm just looking to refine you know, my entire game as a whole. Practicing without a knee brace significant? Yeah, it's fun. I didn't like. I don't really like wearing that thing, uh, so it's it's good to have that off. You think you'll play with one, or is this is that a thing of the past? To be determined. Um, no, maybe I don't anticipate wearing it, but maybe you get to game day and you know, feel a little more comfortable having it on. So we'll see. Do you anticipate big changes uh, to the offense? Do you anticipate just tweaks? things that, uh, that went well? Is it, is it too early to start that process? Have you guys already started that process? I think we're going to completely overhaul the offense. We're going to you know, maybe run the wing tee a little bit this year. So maybe they, maybe the, maybe our division can start you know, watching some George Tech or something. With the offensive line, though, uh, do you think there'll be different uh, different areas of the field you'll be able to attack differently with improvements up front? Yeah, we'll see going into camp. You know, it's, it's early to tell. Um, you know, I'm going into it expecting that we can kind of open it up a little bit and. You know, maybe throw some things in that we that we weren't able to do last year and the year the year before. But you know, we'll see. We we have a really good core group of plays that you know we know really well and that we're good at. So we're not going to abandon that. A couple of your new offensive linemen won Super Bowls with Brady. 
Will you pick their brains about him? Have you picked their brains about him? I haven't. I'm, uh, you know, I try to take things here and there from, from different people, but I'm, you know, really focused on refining my routine and everything that I, I do to be the best me. And I don't think I could take something that, that makes Tom Brady great that might not make Joe Burrow great. And so maybe, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. You know, I, I, I listen and study all of these things and, you know, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I, I try a lot of different things, but, you know, going down, down the stretch to the season, you, you know, talk and think about all the things that you worked on in the off season, you throw some out because you think, eh, I don't have time to, to really refine this to, to get it ready to go by the season. And so some things will, will stick and some things won't. Well, Joe, at what point, how much time did you have to have before you felt totally unencumbered with any kind of nagging injury? Were you able to really attack your, your off-season conditioning? And, and now that you've been able to do it, do you feel like you're as good as you've ever felt? Yeah, it was, I gave myself about a week to, to recover. I didn't do much for about a week, and then I was back at it. Um, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that wants to take a month off and sit on the couch and watch TV and get fat and all that. Um, I'm happier when I'm working out, and you know, that's what I do for fun. And so, you know, we got right back at it. What, what, gives, all, what gives you all the biggest confidence, you specifically the biggest confidence, that you guys can go back and repeat? You know, we, we have the experience now. You know, going into it last year, we knew we were good, but I think going into the playoffs, you know, we knew we could win, but we weren't really sure what it took. We just kind of went out there and played really hard and together as a team, and, you know, it worked out. Now we, we know what it takes. We have that experience in, in our back pockets going forward. Have you watched the Super Bowl? And if so, how long did it take you to watch it? Yeah, I watched it the next day. You know, like I said, I just treated it like any other game week that, that week after, apart from... I guess I did get a couple lifts in that week, but you know, nothing crazy. I watched it the day after and saw the things I need to improve and things we did well and you know, moved on. Not to open up wounds, but the last play of the Super Bowl, there's a shot of Jamar running and Ramsey on the ground. Is that the stuff that sits with you? Is that do you, Did you see that and your thoughts on maybe that play? Yeah, I checked that go route. I was anticipating throwing it, just you know, didn't quite have the time. So... Like I said, we put this behind us. You know, we, we lost. We had a great year. Um, we're going forward. I know you're not a big social media guy, probably not on Twitter as much as all of us. So how do you find out the news of if you guys sign someone? Do you get direct text messages from Zach Taylor, or do you see it on Twitter? <laughs> so I, I re-downloaded Twitter for free agency so I could stay up to, stay up to date because I don't, I don't know how else to... to see all that news like you said so i'm pretty behind on a lot of things because i'm not on there much <laughs> all right now i am very excited it's, it's kind of it's a, it's a reunion of sorts uh although honestly it doesn't feel that way because skinny i talk to you more than i do most people in my life uh richard skinner of local 12 the skinny podcast good friend friend of the program what's going on buddy how you doing, man? Yeah, you know, we, we started on the beat. We only worked on the beat together for a year, but then we kind of stayed in the same working room uh, after that. So it really didn't feel like we, we ever separated. And when you gamble intently against <laughs> each other yes. every single year, uh, it's it's hard to get away from it. it. It engulfs you, you know, and that's why I feel like it's it's been so fun. We, we, we do love to... Have a good time for entertainment purposes only, of course. Yeah, I, I will uh, say as we one, cover one, this team. Yeah, many years ago, four or five years ago, when we had one of our our yearly bets, you and I, 
we had to sit through a national anthem as we watched the end of a game that decided the fate of both of us. <laughs> and it was the craziest thing to try to honor American at the same time, trying to pay attention and homage to our bet um, that I eked out by the skin of my teeth. In a game, I, I don't like, honestly, I could do a full rewatch of that Jaguars 49ers game. Uh, because I needed the Jags to get one more win on the season to win a precinct dinner, and they just couldn't do it. And like five tries, and Blake Bortles. Remember, there's an interception right before halftime uh, where a dude got tackled like on the one yard yes. line trying to score, and then Blake Bortles overthrew Allen uh, Allen Robinson during the said national anthem. Why like, it wasn't Alan against Robinson. San Francisco? We were in San Francisco, yeah. and. And I just remember thinking, I cannot believe he just over that was the it was the game, it was the bet. And, and I'm just trying to hold it in honor of America. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hence hashtag that's so jaggy has been around ever yes. since. So it's, it's a good time. Well, I have gambling stuff for us to get All to, right. of course. I can't have you on here for us to not dive into a little bit of the gambling element. But first, you know, we just heard from Joe Burrow here, and uh I, I want to kind of process a few things that he said or that we heard in uh, – it was so great to return to, by the way, the open locker room uh, yesterday. Um, I'll let you start it off. Did you have anything that stood out to you from from what Joe Burrow said? Yeah, I, I thought it was – I thought Jamar Chase talking about the play, right, the play at the end of the Super Bowl. That was a bit fascinating to me, uh, all of those things. So to me, that, that that those two guys talking separately and independently of the Super Bowl final play was just – I thought that was great stuff. Yeah, you know, I I had I had heard before um, about the idea that that Burrow had checked to the go ball, and and when I when I originally heard that, I just thought to myself, just can we just play that out for a second, Skinny? Like, dare we dare we play out the alternative reality? Oh yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it's fourth and one. Burrow, as at the line, gives eyes to Jamar Chase, checks to a go ball against Jalen Ramsey, against press coverage, drops back, has two and a half seconds to throw, launches a ball that we've seen him throw dozens of times successfully Wouldn't have even uh, had to over be a the great course throw. of the season. And, and Ramsey falls down, Chase catches it, waltzes into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. It goes down as one of the great plays in the history of NFL. No question. I mean, I mean the the situation, the the cojones it would take to throw the go ball on fourth and one, the beating of Jalen Ramsey, who'd been hyped up to an nth degree, and the coronation of Burrow to chase what what could have been. I'm sorry, Bengals fans. I hate to even talk about it, but that. That's is that not just the ultimate insight to the psyche of Joe Burrow? There is no moment that he does not love and will not call the absolute ballsiest move available to him, no matter Super Bowl or not. Yeah, and and, and just the fact of, of that whole chemistry conversation of those guys from LSU staying on the same page in their first year, and all it took was eye contact between them, right? There was no set call. Now they knew press coverage. Hey, that's usually going to be the check if he's going to check, but they just made eye contact and just knew that was the moment for them. And man, you're right. What could have been if somehow someone had decided to block Aaron Donald, which is never easy. Yeah, you got to block Aaron Donald. That's the hard part. 
And that's and that's kind of the part of the check too, right? I mean, of you're bringing that into play if you're really trying to do that. Uh, but uh, again, I don't I don't want to torture Bengals fans here. We're not here to do that. But it was interesting to hear that kind of discuss. I mean, the thing is, that's the thing we haven't talked to almost any of these guys even since before the Super Bowl. Chase included, who kind of who was able to talk about. Um, some of his views of the Super Bowl. And, and I, I just think, you know, the whole concept of how this team will process the Super Bowl loss is, is kind of fascinating to me. And I think you're starting now to get a little bit of insight. And I got to tell you, the whole, like, everybody assuming it's a fluke thing, it just plays right into their hands. They can just feed off the same stuff that kind of fueled last year, which was the disrespect, nobody believes in us card. They can almost keep playing this again, even though they were just in the Super Bowl in February. Yeah, and I'm never a big believer in that card, but you know what? Players sometimes are. If that's what fuels you, you know, good for you. I, I'm, I'm always, I get tired of the disrespect and nobody respects us. Well, yeah, I'll give you that last year, but you go to the Super Bowl, people know who you are, but it does. It feeds right into what they want. Uh, Mike Hilton, one of the first guys we talked to this offseason, right? He was the one that brought it up. We ain't no fluke. Um, we, we're going to be in primetime a bunch. I mean, I think these guys are embracing that moment for sure. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. The other thing you know, Burrow's maybe not going to wear the brace. I He didn't want the brace from the beginning. Right. Like, <laughs> in the very beginning, he was against the brace, so it's not like that's uh, new. Uh, I don't, and I don't know that that's an evolution. Do, do you have a, do you have a, do you take a side in the brace debate? No, I, I think there's a symbolism to it, though, right? That that's maybe like the final hurdle to go, hey, he's okay. You know, you see him in the brace last year, and it still is, well, I hope he doesn't get hit. And then the pinky came into play and and, and some of that. But I, I think there's a little symbolism to it. Um, and maybe for him, too, that he gets to, to, to not wear it. Um, and he talked about maybe during the season he might even go back to wearing it. But for now, I think it's a symbolic thing. Sure. Yeah. Great. I really have no – I feel like people want to have a strong opinion on everything. and I, My opinion is whatever Joe Burrow would like to do with his brace is fine with me. Like, it's, it, this is about him being mentally and uh, emotionally and physically comfortable out there. Then whatever he'd like to do, okay. Like, I, I, I don't, why do I have to have an opinion on this? Yeah, you know? I, I, like- <laughs> I, I think he did take umbrage at your question of his choice of snacks for Lael Collins' uh, visit. And yeah. we never got we never got confirmation of what because because initially all they all said was cupcakes and crackers, which sounds mm-hmm. like the strangest combination of snacks in the history of snack. <laughs> and I was waiting for. Yeah, there was pepperoni slices with it. And we had a little cheese selection and some really good red wine. I, I think it really was. He might have opened a box of Zestas and some Kroger bought cupcakes and go, here's snacks. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just wanted to know club triscuits. Right. Right. What do we talk? Oysters? I mean, I don't know. We could be totally off the board here. But, you know, here's the thing about that. And I actually, somebody was texting me a, a joke about that the other day about, you know, capital J journalism, right? Uh, but uh, the thing is, like, those settings, Burrow wants to be lighthearted. Yes. He he wants to joke around. Like and there's often so such a barrage of serious questions and I get it. Like there are questions you need to ask the quarterback and there's lots of stuff. But I, I feel like anytime you can loosen him up a little bit, he really embraces that and it and it helps. And I thought, you know, you end up 
it ends up with a great answer of him taking ownership of the recruiting process that I thought was really an important piece of what he's become for them. You know, I mean, this whole idea of him saying every year I want to be the one to ha- to be the welcoming committee to show them what we've got going on here to anybody that we want to come in. I want to be the face that brings them in. I mean, that that means a lot, and it says a lot to how they're going to continue to build this thing around him going forward. Yeah, and he has to be the centerpiece of that, right? But but at the same time, he you need him to embrace it, and he obviously does. I mean, it's one thing. The quarterback's always the centerpiece, always the focal point of that stuff, but some guys may not be comfortable as the recruiter. He seems not only comfortable, he seems to love that part of the process because, in a way, he gets to determine, is this a teammate I want, right? I mean, he can maybe tell management, hey, that visit was terrible. I know he can play maybe, but I, I don't know if I want this guy. And he signed off, off on all these guys already, but I think he's an important part of that, and, and him signing off is an important part of it. Well, and there's one, and there's and there's levels to this, right? I mean, there's uh, here's Matt Ryan sending a text, or Andy Dalton sending a text, or any quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, uh, doing a FaceTime call, right? And then there's, hey, you're in town, let's come over and spend the night together. Right. There's there's levels to it that show you take it more seriously, that you care more about it, that it and maybe that will go away with time. Personally, with kind of what we've known of him, I don't think that it will but uh i think you gotta appreciate the levels that he's got there no doubt one thing i wanted to do paul and i I just don't know how i'm going to go about this analytically i did want to build a story around his quote about changing the offense to the wing t i want to see see joe burrow come down the line running the option play this year absolutely you know hire hire paul johnson right yes yes paul johnson let's bring paul johnson up from georgia tech as he mentioned and uh just just get him to work side by side with with brian callahan and frank pollock and and really institute those principles uh, uh could you imagine a, a scenario i mean people hold their breath if he scrambles correct much less he's out here he's out here like t who, who would be the bet tommy frazier tommy frazier best wing t quarterback of all time yeah he's in the, scott, scott frost scott frost in that conversation yeah. <laughs> uh i uh who is who is the guy for notre dame uh, way back in the day, Tom Clements was a great wing T quarterback. 90, That's early 90s. Oh, um, Tony, Tony Rice. Rice. Tony, Rice. Tony, yeah, Tony Rice. Rice. Tony Rice was great at it, for sure. I, I think that's a good question for everyone to have to answer. If you have a, if you have an answer, who is the best wing T quarterback ever? Or we'll say, not. I don't want to hear like, well, in the, the for the Dayton Triangles or the Los Angeles Dons. I mean, fairly modern day. Let's say since I've been alive, 1980 on. I don't want you to go all the way back to Skinny's era in the in the forties. In, in it's the seventies, in case. You're oh, right. sorry, sorry. It's, it's, it's the seventies. <laughs> I will say, Jamar Jamar Chase is a trail back in the, in the wing tee, t catching a pitch might be a tad bit dangerous. Yeah, it could be. It could be a scary element to insert if they had a running quarterback uh, that could come in in Burrow's place. But then that means you have to take Joe Burrow off the field. Yeah, that's not a that's good thing. Advisable. No, uh, no, thank you. Um, should we talk? Let's talk about Jesse Bates. Got to. Um, this has somehow devolved. I was just—I'm writing about this now, and I—I am too. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to. It's hard not to. Yes, but it's like this is somehow the first time I talked to Jesse Bates about his contract was for a story that posted on December twentieth of two thousand and twenty, and 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 he talked openly about his desire to be here, what it means to him. His history is kind of really being invested in the business side of the NFL and 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 it, how basically how easy this should be. 
And it's just remarkable that we have come and we're still talking about this 515 days later with no, I mean, I guess there is an end in sight, but it somehow has gotten worse and it's still an issue. And it's just, I know everybody wants to play the blame game, but it's just, to me, this is going to come down to one thing, Skinny, and, and correct me if you think I'm wrong. Jesse Bates himself and only himself is going to have to answer one question. Are you willing to punt $13 million? No, I think that's exactly what it comes down to. That's it. That's what this is. And that's the part here because we all want a villain when we have contract negotiations, right? Either the player's too greedy or ownership's too cheap. In this case, it's it's neither of those things. It's a player who thinks he's one of the top safeties in the league, and maybe analytically he is, and wants to be paid accordingly. And it's a team that can't pay everybody. Right. I mean, they can't pay them all. They and so you have to make sometimes tough choices in in this regard. And so I think they have a price point. He has a price point. I don't think the sides are ever going to get to the point where they they get that price point met for a long term extension. But you have the ability, thanks to collective bargaining, to put a franchise tag on a player. He's going to make 13 mil guaranteed. Maybe he makes business decisions in games, Paul. And and that's certainly, you know, worth looking at down the road, but I don't believe Jesse Bates punts 13 mil. I think it's really easy for his side, if it's true, because there's a report that he says he's not going to sign the franchise tag. It's easy for them to say on May 17th, right? Because he wasn't coming to OTAs anyway. It's not mandatory. There's no mandatory minicamp. He'll sign the franchise tag, in my opinion, in play, um, and then hopefully play well and probably not be paid here. He'll be paid handsomely elsewhere, in my opinion. Yes, I I think that's where this ends up, and and this is and it, it's the impression that I get is that this is just a matter of okay, I I hate I don't like doing this, but it does feel like just knowing what we've heard from Jesse over the years that this is the agent pushing really hard to try to angle this thing and 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 put the Bengals in a corner and, and exert leverage before this deadline of July 15th with these types of threats. I mean, this, he, he is the agent was for Dejon Watson for Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know, Watson who obviously had all his issues, but s- sat as an active member, just standing on the side all year last year, Jalen Ramsey, who essentially faked an injury to get a trade out of Jacksonville. I mean, we we've seen there's just the, the history exists here of taking kind of the the nuclear option, if you will, and I don't like using that term right now either. But uh, you know, going that route, um, and this feels like a part of that. And at the end of the day, that's why I say Jesse Bates has to make the decision. He has to make the decision of if that's really something he wants to do. And the thing is, you can sit out training camp. You can you can sit out whatever you want to. That's that's fine. At the end of the day, you have to make that one decision uh, of of you're going to hit a free market next year anyway. Would you rather do it having already made thirteen million dollars or not? Yes, there's risk. Yes, you're betting on yourself. But you know, to me. I don't know. I I have a hard time sneezing at thirteen mil, and, and and to me, that's what this will eventually end up coming down to. And and you know, the guy made four point eight over his first four year rookie contract, right? So you're talking about pretty life changing money for a year. No um, that that's hard to turn out. I'm with you. And like I said, it's it's very easy for his camp, and this is not him. I don't believe his camp to posture the way they're posturing because he wasn't coming to OTAs anyway. So go ahead and make yeah. the threat, right? Yeah. I mean, all it does is all it does is try to shake the tree. Yeah, you know? it's not gonna. No, let's let's be honest. There is a long, 
long history of people trying to shake Mike Brown and Katie Blackburn's tree to no avail and to it going the opposite way. Honestly, I worry more about that for him. Yeah, dude. Uh, and, and they like, wasted, this is going to have the opposite effect you think it's going to have. And they wasted no time planting Dax Hill in that spot yesterday. No. no. I mean, that's the uh, the visual of it. Like, it was no surprise. It was what you would expect to happen. There is zero shock involved. However, the visual of Jesse's not here. There's the first round pick. It, that's just it. You have, like, the thought of making these types of threat is exerting your leverage. He has no leverage. The cards have been played. They have made a first round pick your position. All they do is slide the first round pick into play right next to Von Bell. You know, it's not. And oh, by the way, drafted Tyson Anderson later in the draft to another safety. So it's not like, you know, that he's really pushing them in a spot where they're freaking out without any answers. The cards have been played. The pass have been taken. It's going to end up either Jesse Bates decides that he's willing to do this or he doesn't. And both teams go about their way, whatever that decision is. And I know players get mad about the franchise tag and they threaten this a lot of times, but more times than not, they wind up signing it. And I always use the argument, go back to your, go back to your union. Tell them you don't like this. I mean, it's, it's teams are allowed to do it. And, and it's not like they're cheapening. This is a, this is 13 mil. He's making three times in one year what he made his first four years in the league. He'll be okay. I cross my fingers for no catastrophic injury. I cross my fingers. He gets paid somewhere in his career. Cause I think he's earned it. I just hate to tell Bengals fans it's not going to be here. They got too many dudes to pay. And here's the thing: I mean, you worry about it. What, what there is catastrophic injury, but there are. It's so hard to have a, an injury anymore that is truly correct. This is a value destruction. Sure, it can happen, right? But he's young. He's so young. No, right. It's yes. not like we're talking about a 30 year old guy who just popped an Achilles. You know, there there's really nothing that I think that would truly destroy his value. Now it can change things a little bit, but there's no guarantees even in your guaranteed contract. That you think you're going to sign next year if you sit out, that you're going to collect more than even whatever it is, and 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 I I I get it. I want these guys to to get what they feel like they deserve, but you know, there's a certain point where you got to make decisions of of whether you're what you're willing to do or not, and and I just there's no guarantees in anything, even the long term contract that you that you sign him or how many how much guaranteed money you you think you're gonna and maybe he'll say, look, I can get thirty million dollars guaranteed by sitting out and that's what I'm gonna focus on doing is getting that thirty million whenever that's available to me. Maybe. Will that still be available to you in March after you made a decision to sit out for a year is is another part of that decision too. I just don't see him sitting out. I, I don't. I, I I can't give Bengals fans guarantee because I'm not Jesse Bates. I just don't see him sitting out. The only the only thing we know now is it's it's a little bit murkier, and we'll just continue to wait till July 15th because from that point forward, I mean, it's that's all it is is that decision because right. that's all that can happen is he can play this year on the franchise tag, um, and and that's it. Um, outside of that, though, attendance was good. You know, Trey Hendrickson not there for TBD. Um, the reasoning given by Zach Taylor was basically, uh, you know, every guys have their different routines or whatever. There'll be some will be in and out. I think he said. Uh, here's why. I think Trey, here's why I think Trey Hendrickson wasn't there. Do you want to know why I think he wasn't there? <laughs> why? Because <laughs> he's not allowed to sack a quarterback yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, that's that. That's all that matters. Can't touch him. 
I'll say this. Um, I do. Th- I do think that uh, you know the the fact that everyone else was there was a good sign. We yes. sort of wondered as they pushed everything back. Um, like, okay, is there some thought that like the offseason program is not going to have great attendance like last year? That was such a big deal, right? Like that was that was a big part. Everyone talked about that as the foundation of Super Bowl. Or are, are we going to see them just? kind of blowing up the whole thing and half people don't even show up and there's everyone except for really one you expected and the other one that's like whatever he'll be here uh you know i I think that that actually was a a pretty encouraging thing all things considered yeah i mean t higgins is is not going to be back till training camp and there he was watching you know watching drills take place for goodness sakes yeah i i genuinely think and that's the first time paul we've been in the locker room in in two plus years right I generally think there is a feel to that locker room where these guys like being around each other. Yeah. No, I think that's real. I mean, it, you, you do get it, it again. You're right. We, we've been in there one day now, uh, but we heard so much of that last year. I, I think it's obvious. I, you know, I, I think they love what's going on. That's part of the reason with the Bates thing, like the other side that people talk about was, is this going to become something that, that, you know, goes throughout the locker room and is poisonous. Yeah, Mike Hilton and the DBs are all. There's a lot of extend Jesse Bates and yelling that. I think people also understand there's a business to this, and and aren't really interested in getting in other people's business in that respect too much, and 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 letting that affect them. I think it doesn't. That will never trump. I don't know. I like these guys, right? I like I like coming to work every day. I like this team. I, I like playing with this group. I want to go win a Super Bowl. I, I don't think. That is something that's going to change the way these players view this locker room. Yeah, I talked to Mike a little bit about it yesterday. He obviously is pro Jesse Bates, but he also said, man, I get the business. They're allowed to franchise tag him. I, it is what it is. I just hope, you know, he doesn't get hurt in the interim, but Mike gets it. Mike's a veteran. He understand, understands both sides of it. So, um, yeah, and that's where, I, you know, I'm just, I, the other thing that stood out to me yesterday is, and maybe because we covered losing teams the last handful of years when the locker room was open, how many guys used to scatter and how few guys it felt like scattered yesterday, right? They all seem yeah. to kind of hang around and hang around chatting with each other. Usually they're avoiding us like the plague, um, especially when you're <laughs> losing. And yesterday seemed like guys wanted to kind of hang around with each other. Yeah, how about that? You know, and and good for them, you know? I mean, they want to hang around us, but <laughs> I don't uh, think that's does? the case. It ain't no. us. It ain't, us. <laughs> it ain't us. I like hanging around us. Yeah, I do uh, like hanging around us. <laughs> um, let's go into one other thing here. Uh, the Ring of Honor is out. This is always a fun little conversation. Uh, the, the, the Ring of Honor, two more players uh, will be inducted in, and this is going to be a fan vote. Again, same as last year's. He's in ticket holders and, and all that stuff. Last year felt... E- easy almost you know i mean we knew paul brown anthony munoz obviously right. uh and then ken anderson and ken riley the kens i mean the overdue nature of them and and how they should be getting in hopefully will very soon here with the senior committee i think made it feel i, I made it i made an argument for somebody we'll get into in a second last year um but i do think it made it relatively easy this picking two more out of the remaining group i think is very very challenging. I'm curious how what you think. Yeah, I, I've got it narrowed down to four for me, and then I'll give you the two that I would go ahead and vote for. I'm going to write a column on this too. The four for me that I got it narrowed down to are Willie Anderson, Chad Johnson, Lamar Parrish, and Corey Dillon with James Brooks just on the outside and Isaac Curtis just on the outside. And if I was going to vote for my two, it would be Willie Anderson who arguably 
should be in the Hall of Fame and may soon soon be one day. And I'll be honest, Paul, and this comes from my era. Lamar Parrish was a better player than Ken Riley, and I don't I don't say that to desecrate Ken Riley. Lamar Parrish was an all decade selection from Pro Football Reference, all decade selection at cornerback of the nineteen seventies. Six Pro Bowls with the Bengals. He was a great punt and kick returner. Thirteen non defensive touchdowns, ranks fifth all time. And the reason he didn't have the interceptions Ken Riley had, people didn't throw at Lamar Parrish. And so, to me. He, those are those are my my two guys. But boy, I can really make a case for Corey Dillon and Chad Johnson because they both they both are borderline Hall of Fame cases. If not, honestly, for Corey Dillon, a solid Hall of Fame case. Yeah, I I think Chad, he just meant so much to the totality of the franchise in the most dramatic turnaround, pulling them out of the ultimate low point for any franchise and honestly, North American sports and, and just the way he changed the entire dynamic of the franchise, who he was as a player, who he was as a personality, what he, what he just means in general. I, I have a hard time keeping him out. And I feel like Willie is Willie is the one and Chad is the two, but I, I just, you know, I, I have a hard time. Isaac Curtis ch- changed the way the NFL was played, and he's just so underrated in the big picture of things. And I think he gets he does get a little bit overlooked. I, you know, Dylan. The hard part for me is I think Dylan's Hall of Fame case is absolutely real, and sh- and it's and it's despicable that he's never really been in the conversation. But a massive chip of that case is what he did in New England. And and so I have a harder time with that here. Not that it wasn't great. I mean, 246 as a rookie, 278, the overall totality of of 10,000 plus yards and 4.2 yards per carry and, and everything he did, don't get me wrong, uh, but the fact so much of, of his, his Hall of Fame case as a whole came in New England, I think, gives me a, the, the little bit to say that it, it should be Chad and, and Willie here kind of celebrating the 2000s renaissance that was so impactful to everybody. Yeah. And and my case for Lamar Parrish is the one I would stump for only because I'd hate to see what happens, what happened to Ken Riley happened to him where he doesn't get a chance to enjoy it when eventually Lamar Parrish is getting into this thing. And it's probably sooner rather than later. I, I, that's why I stumped for 10 originally when I wrote a couple of columns that, that, that especially some of these guys in their seventies, let them enjoy it. Um, I, I get why they did it. I'm glad they're doing it again this year. I honestly didn't know when the next one they were going to do was, Paul, to be honest with you. But if they keep doing this year to year to year, hopefully we get a, a, the vast majority of these guys in while they can still enjoy it. I will point out something that uh, uh, Mo said, Mo Eger said on the my, on the show that I was with him yesterday on ESPN 1530, is that they should take one out of the fans' hands and just put Dave yes. up there. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's not fair to put him as a player next to some of these guys, but. What he has meant organizationally, there is – you're not going to find anybody greater. You're not going to find anybody that's more about the Bengals and dedicated themselves, their life to the Bengals than him. And, I mean, we're talking about all the way back to the early 70s and still here as a centerpiece, arguably maybe the one of the most influential members of the organization. And – that needs to be recognized and recognized fast and not because he we have to compare him to Max Montoya as a guard. That's not fair. And and so I agree with Mo in, in, in his opinion on this that he, that he was talking about. I, did, I do too. Um, and he also was a good player. I guess a good enough player, but you've got to take the totality of it. The totality of it is he is Mr. Bengal after all.
Well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad we got Ring of Honor talk in. There will be plenty of time for people to get there and vote. All right, let's just take a quick break. All right, I've got some. We got to get some gambling here for you. I've got some. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on this. All right, odds. BetMGM has uh, some has you know now the schedules out all our season odds and things like that. To win the AFC, the Bengals are plus eleven hundred. The Ravens are plus eleven hundred, and the Browns are plus nine hundred. I'm curious what you would order those three if you were putting money down. I think the value of the Bengals is the best value of all of them. Um, I'd go Bengals, Ravens, Browns. I don't like the value of the Browns at plus 900 because you don't know the, 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 the situation with Deshaun Watson. And even if he plays, I don't know that they're better than the Bengals. And the Ravens, a lot of it hinges on health of Lamar Jackson. And I don't know moving forward how sustainable that is. So I think I'd take the Bengals at plus 1100 first. Yeah, I think that the value the value aspect of this is is interesting. I you know, and and even the the general value against the Bengals, the def, the team that's the defending AFC champion that had a good offseason uh as a whole. I mean, is is really is really quite remarkable. Although to win the AFC North, uh BetMGM has all of them at, at those three teams at plus 200 with the Steelers at at plus 900. And I would say while you think you're getting good value, betting on Mitch Trubisky is not a way you want to enjoy the 2022 season. Uh, not a chance. No, thank you for that. I will. I will wait. I will. I will wave the flag at that one. Good luck to the Mitch Trubisky turning into Kenny Pickett era. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will. Uh, the I want you to. I don't know if you've looked at the MVP odds, um, but I wonder if you can guess the order of these five quarterbacks in 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 the MVP odds. You think you can do it? I think I can. We'll see. Okay, here we go. Here's the five I'm going to give you. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Justin Herbert. What do you think the order is of the odds from best best to worst? Best to worst. I'll go Justin Herbert has the smallest odds. That's correct. I'll, I'll go Joe Burrow second smallest odds. Correct. I'll go Russ Bus third lowest odds. Yep. Then I'll go Lamar Deshaun. Look at you. You are a true pros pro, Richie. And I have not <laughs> I have not looked at those odds yet, to be honest with you. I would I know. I would, it felt like you had just set me up and you were ripping them off. Uh Justin Herbert at plus a thousand, Burrow at plus twelve hundred, Russ at plus fourteen hundred, Lamar back at plus two thousand, and Watson at plus twenty five hundred. You wanna you wanna know what uh the pick for for icky bet of the year would be putting money down on Deshaun Watson to win a comeback player of the year. Comeback from what? What? From your own demise. From your own demise? Like, talk about things that you don't want to be rooting for. And I don't think voters would ever actually vote for. Like, there's going to be a lot of people. Like, who casts that vote? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice comeback. What? That that would not be a good value bet because, like, like you said, <laughs> even if he has this great year and somebody considers it a comeback, how in the hell does anybody really vote for that, right? You're you're no not way. you're not going to get any value from that play. The same way I think he would have trouble with MVP, and which is why he's probably all the way back at twenty five hundred. If you were putting money down out of one of these five ten dollars that you were had to put down on one of these five, or let's say twenty, and you can split it up any way you want to amongst two of these five. Yeah. How about that? What would you do? 
I'll put 15 bucks on Burrow and five on Russell Wilson. Because if Denver has success, he's going to get the credit for it, right? And depending on how far that success is, he's going to get the credit for it. But, but I think, Paul, you and I wrote and or talked about this last year. You could have really made a hell of a case for Joe Burrow as MVP last year. It yeah. wasn't going to happen because it happened so quickly, right, that, that he was not going to get that national buzz. But he's on a radar now, and so that's the part. He, you know, he's Joe Burrow and all, but he wasn't on that MVP radar going into last season. It kind of evolved. Now he's on the radar. And so at double-digit odds, that's great value for me. Yeah, I mean, that's the state. I mean, if you look at who he was when they opened up the offense the second half of the year and who he was when he was fully comfortable with his knee and who he was in a clean pocket, which he'll have a much higher percentage of this year, theoretically. Um, and he already... PFF had him as the number one graded quarterback in football over the course of the year. Yeah, it's 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 hard to see how you wouldn't see great value in that. I think there's money to be placed on Lamar Jackson. Really? I mean, yeah, I I don't think he's done. I don't think he's figured out. I think they were so decimated. They were asking Lamar. I think they also learned a little bit of things that they shouldn't be asking Lamar to do. I don't like the lack of receivers that he has. He's got but three I all, tight ends. He's he has great tight Well, the thing is, there will be two of them out there at all times, and they'll be out there running that offense where he can still use his legs plenty and still be scary with that and actually have guys to hand it to and actually have guys to block for him. Uh, that really is the core of everything that they do and still be able to throw that deep ball. I just think we're there's such an out of sight, out of mind to how good Jackson and the Ravens really were because we're maybe holding last year against them and they had so many things working against them. I at plus two thousand, I just think if the Ravens have the comeback here, people think they will. It'll be because Lamar Jackson refines himself. And I don't think that's a as crazy as a possibility as people think, at least not at that number. So I would maybe go ten on Burrow, ten on Lamar. That's fair enough. I, the only knock I would have on Lamar is I've always not believed in the sustainability of 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 him being able to do this physically for a long period of time. The talent and the numbers when he's healthy that he's put up are just insane. Um, but it just always has felt like all it's going to take is one time for him to lose some games and that, that ball starts rolling the other way as age starts to get up there. I just don't th- see the, think the sustainability of, of, of a quarterback doing the things he does is real. And, that, and that's why I would not put the money on him. But I think your point's well made. Thanks that I made a good point, even though you said it was a bad one. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that does feel like that will somehow make some kind of a way into our 2022. Oh, yes, it uh, will. Serious of bets. Uh, best, uh, Bengals primetime wins. I'm going to give you uh, – I'll give you three options, but this is really about two. The Bengals are more likely to have four or more primetime wins – of the five, I'm not counting flexes. Yeah, right, right. Or one or less. Boy, I hate to say this. I'd go one or less because you got the three AFC North teams on the road. Um, we don't know what Miami's going to look like. I mean, if they build an offense around Tua that works, they got a chance to be great. I, I mean, I count that as a Bengals win when you go down the schedule. Um, and the Monday night game against Buffalo, you're arguably playing the best team on paper in the AFC if you're not the best team. So, Again, I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Um, I think when I did a game-by-game projection, the silly exercise that we all do, um, when I did the game-by-game projection, I think I had them I had them losing at Cleveland if Deshaun played, winning at Cleveland if they didn't. So I hedged my bet there, which is weak on my part. But I did have them losing the, the game at Pittsburgh. 
I do have them losing the revenge game for Baltimore at Baltimore, so there's two on paper right there. And I just have them winning the two home games just because of, of what the atmosphere is going to be like, et cetera. So, but, but based on the way you phrase this question, I'm going to lean more towards the one than, than losing or winning the one than winning the four or more. Yeah, because even if you've got all your pieces, winning four is going to be hard. Hard, right. But if you're missing Chase or Burrow for a couple, oh, and so many of those come in that same middle section there uh, that you could they could stack if you were not healthy or something was going against you at that point in the season, that it could it could kind of unravel quickly. So I, I would say amongst those two options, yeah, I, the, the obvious is that it'll probably be three and two or two and three right, or something right. of that nature. Uh, but uh, I, I found that interesting when you have to kind of wage the best case scenario versus the worst case scenario. All right. More importantly, the Preakness is this weekend, Skinny. Um. Is there impropriety with Rich Strike? We know this. There, there was he was juiced up, right? I did think it odd that that after what he did, that they said that the plan all along was to give him five weeks off. You didn't even know you were getting in the race. So what plan did you have to give the horse five weeks there, off? There's, and your horse tried to eat the pony. Okay. <laughs> your horse tried to eat the pony. He was all juiced up. He did something that's not possible for even an animal in the way he came back at the end of that race. And now all of a sudden, there's no subjecting him to any more tests. I mean... You tell me, Skinny. It's one of the most bizarre stories in the history of of, of horses. <laughs> I mean, I think that honestly, the, the fact that the horse gets in the day before, you get a guy from from Belterra Park here in Cincinnati riding, you know, cheap claimers that's riding the race of his life. You, you see, you know, two of the the top choices neck and neck would look like it was going to be a great stretch rule, and all of a sudden you see this horse come from out of nowhere, and you're like. Was that Rosie Ruiz getting dropped in the Boston Marathon at like the hundred yard pole and just decided to run? I mean, where did you come from, dude? I don't know. I think the horse was all on some kind of some kind of PD, some kind of horse, whatever. And they and they don't know how the hell they didn't get positive tests off that. And they're like, we just we just got to disappear until we get some stud fees off this because exactly. there's there's no way we can get back in to any more races. How do you not try to get the triple crown? Exactly. How I, do that, you not that, even try? Yeah, I, I know the argument can be made from horsemen sometimes of you're doing what's in the best interest of the horse. But like I oh. said, I don't know about this five week plan that you've talked about because you weren't even in the race to begin with. So when did the plan <laughs> develop right after he got across the finish line? You went, yeah. crap, we gave him too much of the juice, Jim. Let's yeah. get him out of here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't you don't want him to explode off the juice next thing you know he's like ha- having to get barbaroed on the on the on the turf i mean you know nobody wants any of this so that maybe that's what it is but i don't know i think complete impropriety trying to cash in get the stud fee a- after their big plan to juice up their horse that's yeah, what I think no it, it, that, that horse wanted to run around that track a second time and i never see horses do that in a derby they're exhausted all right last one what gets you angriest bitcoin Driving or gambling bets gone awry? I'm going to go gambling bets gone awry because when they start to go awry is when you feel just the dumbest you've ever felt in your life, right? Like, how (laughs) could I not see that coming? Like in the Derby, for example, I was closing nine horses in a pick three. I ran second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. And of course, my family then gives the whole, well, your name's Richard. How do you not put $5 on a horse called Rich? Strike, because that's not how I roll. But yes, now I am stupid for not doing that. You are right. There's nothing worse than watching that end of a game 
where you're get laying five and a half in a basketball game in an NCAA tournament and you're feeling really, really good until some little guy decides, I'm going to make a three-pointer that doesn't matter, and he makes it, and you're like, how stupid could I be to not buy the half point down? Why did I leave it at five and a half? Listen, I can get angry driving. I don't get angry at Bitcoin. I just have never understood <laughs> it because I understand holding a dollar in my hand is real. I don't understand the whole yeah. cryptocurrency thing, so I don't get mad at it. I do get mad driving. There's no question about that. I am, I am, I am, I'm not road rage guy. I just have certain principles I drive by, but mm. there's nothing that makes you feel dumber than a bet gone awry. That's true. And because then it, then it makes you say things like, why do I even involve myself right, in this exercise in the first place? Correct. Correct. What's the point? What is the point? What was the point of me driving down to Belterra Park to make my pick three <laughs> wager when the first two legs I got through, I'm sitting in a good piece of change. I'm counting. I'm like, hey, at the least I'm going to win four or five hundred bucks today. This is awesome until I don't. And then you're sitting there out that money and you're at Belterra Park <laughs> and you're around the infinite sadness that is <laughs> what's happening around there. Others that are in your same plight and you just wonder, how did I make so many decisions to or, leave me or, in this situation? The, the little old lady who's very sweet, but then shows you, look, I had two to show on that horse. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> just shut up. Uh, if you too would like to enjoy this uh, emotional roller coaster with skinny, you can show up at Belterra Park any night of the week. Of the <laughs> I week. wouldn't go any night of the week. Twin, Twin Spires, <laughs> Twin Spires <laughs> account works for me quite well. Ah, there you go, there you go, Skinny. Thanks for uh, crossing over. It was good to uh, get back together in the podcast form uh, once again, and I I look forward. It should be known. I should go ahead and own up to this. Uh, you won our uh, yearly three pronged. Uh, wager. And it should be over noted, the course it came, of last it, year, it came down to a tiebreaker on a Monday night football game. So we were about as close as that. We, we had to invent the last yes, week of the season right. because every single piece we try to make it so it's impossible to tie. Every single piece had tied the, through the entire season that we had to come. Was it an over under on over, the it was over under on the la- game? Yeah, it was over under the last Monday night game. I think yeah. it was the, that was the Rams Niners, and you went with a crazy over number that gave me a yeah. a, a wide window of opening there for for the score to be what it wound up being. Yeah, and so that put me uh, having to take you out to the precinct, which mm. is scheduled for uh, right the day after uh, the off-season program ends. And at that point, we will start it all over again and reset for the next year. I'm I'm already doing, get, getting in my feelings for what I'm going to have to do to to not be paying again this no, year. No, I, I always fine. I always look forward to the creativity you put together with these, Paul. Yeah, we we try to. We. That's all we've got. It is all we've got. It's all we've got. Uh, Skinny, thanks a lot. I hope everybody listens to the Skinny podcast over at Local 12. And he does with Rick Broering, which is fantastic stuff. Specifically, Ask Skinny Anything, which is just, it's 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 a must listen for me in my rotation every single week just to hear what has you angriest. And I didn't get any old, I didn't get any old man moments of the week, which was one of our favorite bits from when we did the podcast together. But I think your Lamar Parrish rant might have qualified. Yeah, I, I was trying to go down that road with my 1970s, all 1970s team, having watched <laughs> Lamar Parrish, probably my favorite player growing up. So that's kind of my old man rant of, I'm, I'm stumping for Lamar Parrish. I don't, I don't have the old, the old man, uh, 1940s music on file anymore, but, uh, we used to always play that People under whatever that your rants music. were. Yes, yeah. Keep doing <laughs> All right. I appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk yeah, to you man. later. Thanks, Paul. All right. want to thank Skinny, Richard Skinner, for uh, filling in, tapping in for uh, Jay Morrison, uh, who will be back next week with us on, on the podcast. And uh hope Jay is having a good time uh, listening to Rat right now. 
or maybe it's Warrant. I'm not sure who's up on stage C. Uh, but anyway, miss having Jay here. Uh, but Skinny was was great filling in, and uh, we'll be back with that next week. Reminder also, uh, there were no winners on the Bengals' schedule growler bet. Sorry, not even a so close. Nobody had Miami as the first primetime game. So sorry for everyone. Appreciate the participation, though. It was uh, very nice to be back in the growler bet season. I'm sure we will come up with something else for you before too long. Uh, but thanks for participating in that. And with all that said, I'm out of here. Have a good one, everybody. Everybody.